0: Let us join in a call to worship. We open our minds to God's teaching. Our
1: to God's word.
0: Let us listen to the stories of the faith of our ancestors.
1: And share our stories with our children.
0: We put our trust in God.
2: We worship the ones who give us life.
0: Let us join in the act of remembrance.
2: The Old Testament reading is taken from Micah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised up above the hills. Peoples shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the people's walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and
0: ever. This morning, let's stand and sing the psalm, hymn number 81, Unto the Hills.
2: The epistle is taken from Hebrews chapter 13 verses 1 to 6. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Thanks be to the reading of his holy word.
0: reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke at chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 20. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven For that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear friends, we do not call this day a day of celebration. We call it Remembrance Sunday. We're certainly not celebrating war we are remembering those who made great sacrifices in times of war. So this morning we have a familiar scripture from the Old Testament about peace. And what better time than Remembrance Sunday to focus on peace. Outside the United Nations building in New York, There's a statue depicting a sword being beaten into a plowshare. And of course, the the statue is derived from this reading. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The prophet Micah pictures a society, and he's thinking about a society long at war. There have been so many killings, so much destruction, and it's going on for so long. And he's picturing that same society at a time when swords are beaten into plowshares. You can tell from the statue uh, at the UN building that doing that is hard work. It doesn't happen without a whole lot of skill and muscle. It Takes a blacksmith, a big man, to fire up the furnace and then pound that red hot metal into an instrument which someday can plow the ground. It's hard work to undo the machines of war. Remember all the effort that went into banning the use of landmines. Finally, after years of negotiation, the Ottawa Treaty, and we had the honor to have this happen in our country. The Ottawa Treaty was signed in 1997, outlawing the use of landmines. Again, these instruments of war have maimed so many civilians, and killed so many children over the years. Long after the wars were over, they were still in the ground. And now 161 countries have signed the Ottawa Treaty. It's not easy to beat swords into plowshares. Or look at any nuclear disarmament that has taken place. After years and years of diplomatic talk finally in 2015 an agreement was made between Iran and the Western powers to halt the development of nuclear weapons there in the Middle East in Iran and now the present government of the United States has um, declared the treaty to be null and void. They've erased it. So tempting, so much easier just to say, let's keep the swords, we may need them someday. Let's don't have peace, let's don't trust it. Beating swords into plowshares implies that peace is not merely the absence of war. Swords become plowshares. Spears become pruning hooks. All the resources of war can be used for something positive, for a good, for growing crops, for tending orchards, for refurbishing our forests, for resettling refugees, for helping children with food and education and kindness. What if the passions of war were transferred to a passion? for peace. The veterans will tell you that that one of the great things about war, for all its destructive powers, one of the great things about war was the overwhelming sense of purpose and camaraderie that it brought to them. Um, Some veterans have told me that, you know, after the war, everything else was sort of anticlimactic because uh, this was such a, a wonderful feeling, this feeling of purpose and of comradeship. What if that sense of purpose and those wonderful, profound friendships were utilized in the pursuit of peace? What if all the money and all the blood, toil, tears, and sweat of the Middle Eastern wars were employed in hospitals, in schools, in playgrounds, in libraries? What if swords were really beaten into plowshares? and the prophet's dream came true, and spears were turned into pruning hooks. You and I, because we're Christians, we have a particular obligation to pray and to work for peace because we're followers of the Prince of Peace. Wonderful reading from the Sermon on the Mount that we heard this morning. Our Messiah is the one who told us to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. He instructed us to love our enemies, even to turn the other cheek, to pray for those who despitefully use us. Over the years, I've preached many sermons on peace and I've had to because the text told me about peace. I couldn't avoid them even if I wanted to. There they are. What are we gonna do with texts like turn the other cheek? We have to say something. So I've preached many sermons on peace, and sometimes I've been criticized by people within the church, even, who said, it's all very well and good to say things about peace, but they're impractical. What you're saying is impractical. Peace won't work. The only thing the enemy will understand is blowing up their munitions factories and bombing their cities and blowing up their bridges and their schools and their hospitals. It's unfortunate, it's collateral damage, but it's necessary. I've heard all those arguments year after year. But you know, I've never once heard them from a veteran of war. I've never heard from veterans of war, from men and women who have actually experienced war. From them, I have only heard support for peace. Peace does not sound impractical to those who know the horrors of war. For them, the Prince of Peace is showing us the only sane path to a humane world. One of the members of my church in St. John, a decorated veteran of the Second World War, told me once, this is why I come to church. I come to church to hear the gospel of peace. That's why we're all here, to listen to our Messiah and to work with him in transforming the passions of anger and resentment and fear into a passion for peace. And of course, it begins here in the church. This is the school of faith. This is the place for peace, which doesn't mean that we always get along. Of course, we have disagreements. We fall out with one another. We're learning. But here we learn to forgive and we learn to patch up our differences. And by the way, whatever differences we've had in this church will be patched up and we will learn to have peace with one another and we're going to succeed. This is a wonderful church and this is still a great school of faith. I admire all of you and we will come together and be an example to those around us. As one of the old hymns has it, we are marching as to war. We've got to put as much into this as we put into war. We are marching as to war. It's like a war. And an even better hymn makes it clear. Lead on, O King Eternal, the day of march has come. So we have to learn to be in step with one another, to march like soldiers. This is like a war, but then in the second verse for not with swords loud clashing, nor roll of stirring drums, but by deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. Swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Amen.